0: Today's episode of the GoldCast is sponsored by Windex. Are your windows dirty? Then you need some Windex. What you do is you take the bottle, you spray it at the window, and you wipe it down, and it's clean. So, get your Windex today, and if you use the offer code, GoldCastWindex, you will get 15% off your next bottle of Windex, wherever great Windex bottles are sold. Don't actually try this, because if you do, you'll be disappointed. Raymond, before we get started, why don't you let them know, where can they find us?
1: You can like us on facebook.com slash thegoldcast, and you can also follow us on Twitter at the underscore goldcast, and you can also subscribe to us via iTunes, YouTube, and Stitcher, all under the same moniker of the goldcast. Like, subscribe, and comment because we love to interact with you.
0: Raymond, I like how you've had a couple of recent... Issues where you're having trouble getting through that. And I felt like this time there was a little trepidation, but I thought you really pulled it off. I just want to say that I'm proud of you. Great. Great. All right. So, as promised, this is our preview of week three. The homecoming. The 49ers are home. They are back. They are here. It is our first home defense and guess who's coming to town? The what was once vaunted Pittsburgh Steelers, now a more hobbled Pittsburgh Steelers. We're gonna talk about it after the intro, but first, of course, the greatest fanalist in the game is here. Your professor of fanalism, he's in the building. Classes in session. Let's go, San Francisco. Are you ready? Are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. <laughs> Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Goldcast. We're the Voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my bro Chacho, my protein shake, my co-host
1: Raymond Salisa First, baby.
0: Boom! Let's go. Oh man. Okay, so here we are. It is. We're recording this on Wednesday night. <laughs> Niners
1: win. I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> Forty-eight. To three, no. So, let's talk a little bit about the psychology that we've entered right now. We've entered a different psychology, Raymond. Uh, Your professor of fanalism is here. Let me discuss the mind of the fan. Because when your team is a losing team, brother Raymond, when your team is a losing team, you're just trying to survive. There's almost a part of you that dreads each week or dre- or dreads what's gonna happen in the second, third, or fourth quarter of the game. Am I right or am I wrong?
1: Yeah, that's how I felt all last two years.
0: I mean, I would argue three years. I'd argue almost the entire existence of this gold cast. <laughs> we've we've dealt with that on the 49ers. And there's a sense of dread. There's a sense of frustration. There's this feeling that you're basically walking Into oncoming traffic. And there's nothing you can do. You're just trying to survive. But. As we discussed on our last Goldcast. When the team plays the way it did. This past week. When it does the things that they did. When it looks like. This three year. Shanahan Lynch journey. Is finally starting to bear some fruit. You start going into. What I call. True fan mode. And the true fan mode is you're not trying to survive, you're now taking the games week by week. So now we can't get ahead of ourselves, we can't look too far ahead. Our only focus this episode and today is on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Am I wrong or am I right? What are your thoughts, Ray?
1: I think absolutely. I think that's probably the message that was delivered, you know, on more than one occasion throughout this week of practice and we'll be continually delivered from here until, you know, kickoff on Sunday. Because I know it's very easily to get caught up in the hype train. But, you know, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have never given me the impression that they would ever get ahead of themselves like that. Even during the losing games, it was always one game at a time perspective so i imagine that to be the case here and it has to be and even as fans i think you have to be too because it's easy to get you know just as much as a player is susceptible to getting ahead of yourself and excitement i think the fan is even more susceptible to that you know the the hype train so to speak and that's something that even though I'm like not part of the team and nothing I do or say has any influence or impact on the team whatsoever. What? I still feel like that I have to keep keep myself in check because I don't want I don't want to I don't want my overexcitement to somehow jinx the team's, you know, chances for success.
0: Raymond, you really touched on a great a great great aspect of being a fan. And luckily Raymond, your professor of fanalism is here to help break that down. See, Raymond, what most people don't always realize is our inexplicable ability to affect a game. You say a cocky one-off comment to the opposing team. You wear the wrong jersey. You fail to do your 9 a.m morning routine before the game, whatever it is, you walk you, you you know, you walk three steps forward, three steps back, tap your shoulder, point to the sky, whatever it is. Failure to do these things as a fan will inevitably and most likely cost you a win in professional football. This is how these things work. In fact, the the littlest any any superstitious break in the fan code will result in your team losing, regardless of the years of work and training that your team, that your, the athletes on your team have put in to create the best versions of themselves. That has nothing to do with it, and everything to do with if you broke whatever superstitious activities that are necessary to adhere to the fan code. If you break any of these things, Raymond, you personally, me personally, Will be responsible for losing the game. This is just a this is a fact. I, I I wish it was different. But you don't knock on wood, you don't wear your favorite hat, you don't sit on the right side of the couch. These are the things that make or break. These are the things Kyle Shannon has no control over, and he knows this. So he does everything in his in his willpower to scheme and to put the team in a position to win. Because he knows that the littlest variation in fan activity, will result in a loss. And and it'll be completely out of his hands. So I understand exactly what you're saying. We are now in true fan mode. We're now going week by week. So let's break down this week with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's talk about this game. So here, at the beginning of the season, this was looking to be a pretty competitive game. And it is quickly, this season has quickly, quickly and aggressively derailed for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, Raymond, right now what we have, Gold Cast Nation, 49er faithful, we have an opportunity right here to go 3-0. We have an opportunity to take a team that is pretty hobbled. Ben Roethlisberger, out for the year. Connor, not looking as good. Got some knee issues. Juju Smith-Schuster, not, not the uh, prolific wide receiver we are hoping for. This is a team— that is struggling right out the gate. And like the Cincinnati Bengals last week, the 49ers have an opportunity to kick the teeth in on this team. So, Raymond, why don't you give the people, let's give them a breakdown of what of what this game looks like. Give us a breakdown. Give us your thoughts going into this Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers because this is our moment, Raymond. This is our room moment to really grab this team step on the throats, and go to 3-0 and and move on to week four. So give us your breakdown. What are your thoughts?
1: Well, as you pointed out, you know, this team's totally hurting right now. Ben Roethlisberger tore his UCL, which I've never heard of, um, at least not in football.
0: <laughs> Neither have I.
1: So it's a UCL, and that's gone. We know James Conner is battling a knee injury, which he suffered late in the game in the close loss to Seattle. And even though he says he'll be ready for Sunday, he did not participate in the team's first practice since Sunday's loss. So whether he'll be ready or not is kind of a game-time decision. I think he will be, even if he's not 100%, which still plays in our favor, if that's the case. And if he's 100%, I still think he's going to have a tough time. And Mason Rudolph knows the system, and did play well against Seattle. Um, I, I, you know, well for a backup coming in there to do it. You know, and I know Juju is trying to build off of the tremendous year he had the year before. He hasn't quite panned out that way. I think a lot of it is because Ben Rothsberger hasn't been able to get in the ball. He's been pressured a lot. They haven't had a really strong running game. And all of that ties into wide receiver production. So I don't blame Juju as much as I do the offensive line and lack of running game. Or I should just say the offensive line, really, because that, that uh, an inefficient line isn't going to help your running game or your passing game. So I'm just really going to put it on the offensive line here. And I know they recently gave up a first-round pick to get Minka Fitzpatrick from the Miami Dolphins, who's a second-year pro who you know is, has a high ceiling but hasn't quite tapped into it and still very young. He's only 23 years old, and he had a good, solid rookie season, nothing Pro Bowl-worthy. You know, two picks, nine passes defended, eight combined tackles, 51 solo. This is a solid rookie season. You know, any, any rookie safety would be happy with those numbers. And so the idea is for him to improve upon that this year. And now he plays for a team where he is going to have that opportunity more so than a team that, you know, appears to be more interested in tanking than anything else, which I don't agree with, not in the NFL, not with that short of a season. Um. Do, do I agree with that? I think you gotta compete every game, no matter what. Um, it's a bad look for the well, league. Because, cause tanking,
0: cause tanking, isn't gonna benefit you in this, in in this sport the way it does in, for instance, uh, basketball more more than any of them, and then baseball to to an extent because it doesn't take that much to change a baseball team, and most of the time, and this is where I'm getting, you know getting ahead of myself here but most of the time the problem with these teams is what they do is they decide that the best thing to do is to draft a great quarterback instead of going if we're going to have a real plan in place what we're going to do is we're going to build from the middle out we're going to build an offensive line a defensive line get all that solid get the quarterback last the quarterback is actually what you probably want to get last when you're trying to build a franchise team when you're trying to put a, a, a franchise winning team a Season winning team, a team that can compete in the playoffs and compete for a Super Bowl. The quarterback's what you want last. You got to build everything else first, get, especially the O line and the defensive line. But I'm getting way off track. Continue.
1: Well, and, you know, there's a lot of teams that would obviously disagree with that. Some think you need to get the quarterback first and then build around that player. Um, some teams do it all at once. So, but that's neither here nor there. I think for Pittsburgh, you know, the, it was a desperation move. They're kind of banking on the now and kind of giving up the future. So I don't know. I, don't, I think their GM is probably going to be on the hot seat. I don't know if Mike Tomlin will be, because the Roonies are extraordinarily patient with head coaches more than anything else. I think they have a little bit less patience for GM, understandably so. So what they do from now on is anybody's guess, but this isn't the, this isn't the, the Steeler cast. So they're going to be going up against a very, very good team on offense and defense right now we're third in the NFL in points scored we are four, seventh in the NFL in yard total yards we are 19th in the league in passing offense although that's uh, that's kind of marred by the you know all of the touchdowns called back from yesterday which would have bumped that number up probably would be middle more middle of the road 15th or so and of course rushing game which has been excellent through uh, it was pretty good late last week and then it was excellent this past week with over 200 yards puts us in fourth Fourth best in the NFL. And then defensively, I think the defensive numbers really kind of speak for themselves more so than the offense, because the offense is just really starting to get going. The defense really has to play well out of the gate because you have to stop people whereas the offense can get by, and in this case, did get by on defensive prowess in week one. We are seventeen or eighth in points allowed. We're ninth in yards allowed. We are fourteenth against the pass. That's I think they the you know, the tape and individual performances would I think play a little bit better than that statistic would lead you to believe and we're eighth against the rush and Pittsburgh struggled to run the ball the last two games against two running defenses uh, for which we are either equal to or better than. So I think things are not going to get very easy for Pittsburgh coming in here and I think the past they're on the road now Steelers have a weird schedule where they started the season you know they started the season it was like on the road at home. On the road again, and then they're going to be at home. A weird seesaw travel schedule that's got to be rough on any team. So for them to have to go to New England, get their teeth pounded in, come back home, win a tight one, lose a tight one to Seattle, and then lose your two best players by the end of the game. To now have to travel back to the West Coast over here in New England, or to not I shouldn't say back because uh, this is their first trip on the East Coast or on the West Coast in our time zone. To play an afternoon game um, while they're 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 hurting they're like limping into this contest so I think if I was the Niners I wouldn't pull any punches and I don't think Kyle Shannon is I think ever since his experience of letting of really putting a little bit of the brakes on the Atlanta Falcons offense when they had the twenty eight to three lead in the fourth quarter I think he's learned from that and now he knows and Eagles did this when they beat New England in the Super Bowl is like you can't you can't give any opponent any chance whatsoever. And the Niners were still running a lot of their scripted stuff and and textbook Kyle Shanahan stuff late in the game to really kind of continue to seal the win. And I think that's going to happen here. I don't think the the Niners are going to respect Pittsburgh because I think you have to. We know we know that they even though they have a lot of talent on defense, you know, they had a couple of pro bowlers and TJ Watt and Cameron Hayward, you know, who have gotten off to a little bit slow starts this season. Cameron Hayward has zero sacks. TJ Watt has at least one. We know Stefan Tuitt, um, one of their younger players, also one of their younger players, has two and a half sacks. He's off to a good start. So they have some, some decent players on the defensive line that can cause some disruption. But I think that we kind of win that matchup on the line of scrimmage. Easily, in my opinion, so I I expect the game, the running game, to be very strong. And look, here's the thing: this team is going to be kept off balance, hardcore. The Niners ran 58 percent of pre-sap. They used they used pre-snap motion 58 percent of the time in Week One against Tampa Bay. They used pre-snap motion 71 percent of the time against the Bengals. And if you obviously go back to that game, always there was almost somebody three quarters of the time there was somebody in motion, whether it was George Kittle, whether it was Kyle Uzchek, whether it was Debo Samuel, whether it was Marquise Goodwin or Dante Pettis was in motion. All everyone was moving and this just kept kept Bengals off balance all day long where you think a play is going one way it goes the other way then you see something similar and you think okay I got it this time because now you're going to fake this way nope we're actually going back this way in fact we're going to screen this way and we're going to have four offensive linemen halfway down the field ready to block for a huge chunk play Um, this kind of stuff is all going to be schemed up very nicely against whatever Pittsburgh does defensively I don't necessarily know what their scheme is I assume they're still running the 34 defense because that's what they've always done so, this is going to be, you know, we'll, we'll get into final predictions later in the show, but I know that uh, this is going to be, I don't know if, if it'll be the same result as last week, but I feel like the, the, the alignment of where Pittsburgh is right now, where we are right now, has every opportunity to duplicate what we did last week. They just have to stay humble, stick to the plan, and of course, above all, execute.
0: So let's talk about that a little bit, Raymond. Sticking to the plan. We as we mentioned in our last episode, we recorded on Sunday. It was released yesterday. The we have three teams that are two and oh in the NFC West. Three different teams. Obviously the LA Rams, Seattle Seahawks, San Francisco 49ers. It is imperative Right now that we win this game. It is imperative that we close this out, that we take a team that is in as much disarray as the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we step on their throat and we we seal the win to go 3-0. Because it is a tight race. And here's the thing: let's look at the broader, let's look at the broader NFL, right? Drew Brees, down. Saints down. Cam Newton down. Definitely not himself. Panthers not looking like a contender. Vikings up and down. Atlanta, down. Green Bay, not bad. Defensively. But defensively. We're, we're, only, we're only two weeks in. We all know that, the, that the, the entire season will radically change after September, after this month. Do not be fooled. 49 are faithful. Do not be fooled, Cast Nation, in thinking that it is going to stay exactly how it is now. We are only seeing the first inklings of where this season is going to go for the NFC. But right now, In this exact moment, it is a wide-open NFC. And we have an opportunity to really put ourselves in competitive contention early because this season's only going to get harder for us, especially that last month. That last month gets brutal. And if we're getting better... It's only natural to conceive and to believe that our competitors are going to get better as well. So this is the game, Raymond. And looking across the greater greater landscape, this is one of those pivotal moments where we have to seal this deal and we have to take advantage of a team that is hobbled and, you know, frankly, injured. At its most important key positions. And they've lost Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. And as everyone's been pointing out ad nauseum, they're just not the same team without those two guys. It really yeah. So, so Yes.
1: F- Sunday, they're not going to come with any of the killer bees. None, all three of them. Two of them are gone and another one's out for the year. So there's no killer bees on Sunday.
0: Yeah. So this is, in my opinion, this is a must win. If we want to stay competitive, I mean, every game arguably is a must win in the NFL, but... But for this season, for the 49ers where they are, to, this Sunday is must win. Do you agree with that?
1: Yes. You know, the the goal is to win every game. So why wouldn't you go in there with the attitude of winning? That's that's the message, and that's what's going to happen, you know? I'm curious to see how Justin Skule does, because we know we're out Joe Staley for, you know, half the season. And that's a bummer, and that's going to suck, because, you know, he had the most— you know, uh, blocks, blindsided blocks against, you know, tough blitzes last week. And Pittsburgh's going to be putting their best pass rushers against Justin Skule to test him out and see what he can do. So it's up to him to, to really kind of step up. This is We drafted him this year in the, out of the sixth round, you know, offensive tackle. Now it's time to go in there. You know, when he came in late in the game against the Bengals, I think they were already kind of defeated. So there wasn't a whole lot of fight left. So he, he was he did good for that, but now it's time to do it for four quarters. And so that's a, a matchup to be watching to see how how the blind side of Jimmy G is gonna hold up. But I th- there's other ways that you can also finagle your way around that that sort of weak side, you know, and you can do that with the pre-snap motion. You can do that with putting George Kittle or some of our other tight ends on the edge there you can line up Kyle Juszczyk on the edge for protection so there's ways to do it there's he's he's going to get help he's not going to be left obviously on an island to defend on his own they're going to scheme to help protect him but at the same time I would love to see school get you know do well as that's only going to be promising because we know that you know Joe Staley's on the last two years of his contract and he's gonna he's gonna leave, and we're gonna need someone to take over that spot, that very pivotal, important spot. So, so let me
0: ask you a question, Raymond. And obviously, we're not part of the coaching, so this is purely hypothetical. But why do you think they're not moving McGlinchey over to left tackle and putting Skewl in at right tackle?
1: Well, Kyle Shanahan pointed this out after the game in Cincinnati, and that's. But if you move McGlinchey, then you have to worry about adjusting for two positions versus one. Right now, they're adjusting for left tackle, and school's going to fill that, that void. They also picked up another tackle uh, this week. But if they were to move McGlinchey over there, who's still kind of settling into his role at right tackle, then it's like, all right, now you got to switch everything you've learned over from right side position to left side position because that's a whole different, there's a different role for all the plays. Kyle Shanahan runs a lot of screen passes. He runs a lot of zone running. They have, they have a zone running scheme that requires a lot of athleticism and very specific assignments for the tackles and the guards. And so, the assignments for the right tackle are very different from the assignments from the left tackle, depending on what the play is. Not all the same running plays are run on both sides. Not all the same passing plays are run from both sides. They mirror, they do mirror some of those things, but they also flip them and twist them and do all kinds of crazy things, flip them upside on their head. So the assignments are completely different. So it makes more sense to keep McGlinchey where he is. I agree with Kyle Shanahan. And even if I didn't understand it, I would still agree with him because Kyle Shanahan knows <laughs> way better than I do. So I, I know, because I, so, so, I thought that, I thought like, I was like, how come they don't just move McGlinchey over to left tackle? And then right when I said that, the press conference was on, and Kyle Shannon's like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to worry about two positions. You know, right now, we're just worrying about one. You know, so I was like, oh, I remember, I, I,
0: I, saw, I saw that on YouTube, and I remember he pointed to you and was like, uh, Raymond, greatest fan in the game, uh, your question? Okay, and then he answered, I remember that, I saw that. I saw him answer you specifically. Yeah. I was like, wow, how does he, Ray's not even there. How did he answer his question? Yeah,
1: I, believe, I believe he said, great question, probably the best I'm going to receive all day. So let me address <laughs> it first.
0: <laughs> uh, I can see why you're called the greatest fanalist in the game. Yeah, I understand now. I believe that was his exact quote. If you go back to the Fortnite's press conference, you can see that entire dialogue happen. It's amazing. It's incredible. Uh, that actually makes a lot of sense because you're doing one role versus two roles. That's that makes perfect sense. Like if they ran a, a
1: more simpler offense, I could see something like that making more sense. But Kyle Shanahan has one of the, if not the most complicated offense in the NFL.
0: Yeah, I get Think it. Think
1: about that it. Of 58% pre-snap motion week one, 71% pre-snap motion week two. Kyle Shanahan's is going they were on steroids last week. They, so they were they were roughly sixty percent week one, 70 percent week two. You can expect something in between that. You know, sixty five percent pre snap motion. They're gonna try to keep Pittsburgh honest. You know, because they've got some. So Pittsburgh Pittsburgh's weakest area is the passing game, which is why they got Mika Fitzpatrick. That was just like, hey, we've allowed so many passing yards between Tom Brady and Russell Wilson, so they had to come out of the gate and, you know, try to beat two back-to-back Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Now they're going into San Francisco to beat an up-and-coming team that's young and hungry and has the best best play caller in the game. Good luck without your starting quarterback.
0: Good luck. So, Raymond, let's get into this. So Vegas has San Francisco at uh, minus 8. Do you think that's pretty fair? 49ers by 8?
1: No, they're gonna they're gonna score. I think they're gonna beat them by two possessions, two possessions wow. or more. Wow!
0: Wow! So you say it's gonna go over, 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 over.
1: Yeah, I think they're gonna score at least thirty-five points this week.
0: And then how many points you think? What's your, what's your final score? Pittsburgh at San Francisco.
1: This is probably gonna be somewhere. I'm gonna say like either 35 16 or 35 21 if there's some garbage time i'm hoping juju Smith schuster gets some garbage time for my fantasy team but <laughs> you know i'm thinking this is it's going to be probably somewhere around 35 16 35 13. I just don't think they're going to be able to establish the run. They're going to force Mason to beat him with his arm and that's going to that's going to put him in a compromising position because he's going to have to deal with our linebackers and our defensive backs who are playing excellent right now. With the exception of Kwan Williams who had a tough game last week. He gave up two really big plays in the touchdown, but outside of those three plays, you know, t- coverage is pretty tight, pretty tight. Uh, Witherspoon is playing excellent right now, pro bowl caliber play and same can be said of Richard Sherman. So I, I think Juju Smith-Schuster is going to have his hands full, and the pressure, the pressure is going to be there. If if they can't establish a running game, they're not, they're not going to have a passing game, and that's going to allow our pass rush to get all over Mason, because Mason is not as mobile as uh, Ben Roethlisberger, at least from what I saw. I don't, I don't know, I don't know much about this quarterback, so we're going to get a, a full taste of him this Sunday, but... I expect uh, the pressure to be in full force. Nick Bosa is going to clean up some of that uh, neutral zone lining up, and he's going to get another sack. Uh, D. Ford is going to be back into the mix. He's going to apply some pressure. Ronald Blair is going to be back in there. And then, of course, we have our Twin Towers. Good luck against the Twin Towers. The Twin Towers are both playing on equal, you know, equal skill level right now, and that's bad news for anyone playing us in the NFL.
0: I love it. I love it. I also believe the 49ers are going to win this game uh i th- I, th- I think minus eight is is pretty good i i, I agree with you I, I could see us winning but I'd be surprised if it was
1: close i'd be really surprised if it if it's close, then that means that you know some players on the Niners side perhaps you know over uh over underestimated Pittsburgh and didn't you know stay humble and didn't respect them coming in there, I think you got, you got to respect this team. This team does have talent. You know, Joe Hayden, Joe Hayden's a good cornerback. You know, he's, he's been playing pretty good so far this year. Their, their, their linebackers are great. Their linebackers have good speed. They've always drafted good linebackers. No one's just, no one's just running away. They, they have talent at every level. It's just not elite talent. Like we've seen in, you know, years past with this team, TJ Watt and Cameron Hayward are like the two standouts from last year coming into this year that really kind of made a noticeable all-star impact and are looking to do that again. So, and Mika Fitzpatrick, again, this is an unproven player. You know, I don't know how he was playing in Miami because Miami got blown up two weeks in a row. So I imagine with him wanting to get traded, I imagine it wasn't much motivation to play really well, which is not a good excuse to not play well. But, you know, we'll see how he does to learn a whole, you know, learn a different defensive system within a matter of, you know, a week. Less than a week and try to apply that to, you know, a red hot team with one of the most complicated offenses in the NFL. That's tough. It's a tough assignment. I don't expect him to pick it up and do well. Not against the deep threats that we have and all of the we just have so many weapons. Kyle spreads the ball around. Nobody's you know, we don't have a Terrell Owens or Jerry Rice or John Taylor per se, but everyone gets used and everyone's got enough skill to Keep the defense honest, so and that's going to happen again this week. You know,
0: I agree. I totally agree. Forty Niners take this game. We move. We move up to three and oh and continue this very very tight NFC West race. Totally. I want to look up right now. I want to look up the Rams' schedule. The Rams' schedule for this week. I want to see who they are playing. So Rams are playing the Browns. So the Rams are playing the Browns.
1: Who just came off of a win for a you know depleted Jets team that, that you know, where Le'Veon Bell's really the only thing that they can do on offense.
0: And then the Seahawks are basically in the same exact position as us. They're facing the Saints, another team that is heavily depleted and Right. Was subject to a lot of injuries in week two, in particular to their all-pro quarterback. So right, you've but got, they,
1: but they still have Michael Thomas. They still have Alvin Kamara. They still have one of the best offensive lines in the National Football League with three Pro Bowlers on that t- on that side. You know they have some good, and they have a defense that's still very, very, very good. That that team is much more. I mean, remember Pittsburgh did not make the playoffs last year. They had a winning record. At, I think they were nine and seven or nine six and one. But they did, but they didn't. They missed the playoffs for the first time in since I don't know, I don't know how many, how long it's been for them. But you know, New Orleans is knocking on the Super Bowl door. So even though they're down a quarterback, that's not going to be an easy game for Seattle at all. Um, Just because I I don't trust Teddy Bridgewater, but I trust his playmakers. If he's able to get them the ball, if he can get them the ball, then Kamara and Michael Thomas can carry him. To a yeah but that's a big a if right? ma- it is a big but if he gets them the ball they can they can carry him to a competitive matchup the question is are they able to do that and is sean payton how is sean payton going to use um hill because i know he said he wants to use two quarterbacks so he can scheme up and sean payton's obviously a great play caller and a great uh, play designer not as good as kyle shanahan but right up there as you know top five in the nfl so you know his ability to get something out of using a dual quarterback system, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, that that's, that's not going to be easy up there and they're, and they're playing at the dome, the whole team, you know, in addition, you know, excluding Drew Brees also seems to play better in the dome versus when they're on the road too. So they have a couple of things going for them. The question is, will Chetty Bridgewater be able to, you know, competently facilitate the offense?
0: Well, that is the question, and I think he will not. And I yeah. think the Seahawks will win. And yeah. I think what you're looking at is three weeks in a row of all three main players in the NFC West, yeah. all going three and zero, which yeah. would be insane. Yeah. I hope so. I think I it's, it's going to come down the to, to the division games with
1: these three teams. Yeah,
0: it is. It is, and that's go to go to the Saints cast
1: too. to get the rest of the analysis on that game. <laughs>
0: go to the Saints cast. after after Pittsburgh we have Cleveland and then we have well after Pittsburgh we have the bye then we have, then we have Cleveland, Cleveland such a weird time
1: to have a bye I don't like the early bye i
0: don't, I don't like either. it it sucks
1: i'd rather sucks. like get you get a rhythm of half the season and then do your byes
0: totally absolutely i i prefer the bye right at like week 8 that's the best place. Yeah. Now, granted, of course, you can't get that every every year, but the Niners usually. I'm not sure. We've had late season buys the last few years. Yeah, that's the pretty the common for I've seen us. In a while. Yeah, yeah, this buy definitely sucked, but definitely we believe the 49ers will beat the Steelers and move on to three and and0 What say you, Gold Cast Nation? What do you think is going to be the final score and the winning team this? sunday how important is this game is this a must game win game for the 49ers let us know in the youtube comments youtube.com slash the gold cast raymond any final thoughts
1: go niners another go convincing niners, win baby. another convincing let's win go. in the
0: books yeah we're going do to it. be anyways that's right so concludes another edition of the gold cast we're the voice of the bay i'm your host Rudy Sousa III, and with me is my bro Chacho, my protein shake. Raymond Salisa, first baby. Boom. We'll see you next time. Same Gold Cast time, same Gold Cast channel, even though those times and channels change all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Very true.
1: <laughs> this is, is the Gold Cast.